Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Monday edition of the program. Indiana, the win in a tale of two different halves, really, on Saturday afternoon. Indiana, after a terrific start, defeats unanimous number one Purdue at Assembly Hall. A crazy crowd, a great game. Indiana played well early and then held on down the stretch. But a statement win for this Indiana team as February is underway in a big way for the Hoosiers. The Hoosiers are on a roll. Their NCAA tournament is coming together. The health of this team seems to be coming together as well. And now another big opportunity awaits on Tuesday night as they will play Rutgers. I believe I saw if Indiana could find a way to win at home against Rutgers, which will be a challenge, just as Purdue was. If they could find a way to win that game, I believe, based on where things could be Tuesday night when that game ends, Indiana has a legitimate chance or would be the number two team in the Big Ten Conference behind the Purdue Boilermakers. It's unbelievable, really, where this team is at. It's it's almost like, and you don't want to jinx anything, right, if you're an Indiana fan, but it's almost like as February arrives, this team is finally reaching the heights that so many in the media and so many across the country predicted them to reach this year because they were nearly the unanimous pick for the Big Ten uh, regular season championship. It was Purdue that was often second or third behind the Hoosiers. And so uh, amazing that Indiana has turned a switch, flipped a gear, whatever you want to say, and this team is playing some really good basketball. And Sunday uh, was a great first half by this team defensively, Indiana was out and ready to go, and uh, almost exactly what Mike Woodson had described leading up to the game, if Indiana was going to have a chance, if Indiana was going to win that game on Saturday, they had to do so with their defense. And in many ways, at least early on, I thought defense keyed a lot of things. Of course, Jalen hood Shafino was terrific again. Trace Jackson Davis, terrific again. Uh, wow, it's hard to believe where things are at here in February, early February, as we start to wind down the Big Ten Conference, as we start to wind down the regular season. Um, I thought Indiana would really hang tough. I think my prediction, and uh, a couple times I've been right, a lot of times I've been wrong, but I think my prediction Thursday or Friday as we signed off the air was if Indiana was going to win, that Trey Galloway would have a, a huge game, a big game, be kind of an X factor for Indiana. Well, obviously, maybe, maybe not, but um, I think I said Indiana would battle. I wasn't sure they would win the game, but boy, they battled down the stretch and able to hang on to the lead and, and make some big baskets late and do some things that this team, this program for a number of years hasn't always been able to do when they've been in late ball games. It seemed like 
the last couple of years there's just been a stretch of games where Indiana lets it just get away from them at the very end, and that obviously did not happen on Saturday. So huge weekend of basketball. Uh, the girls' sectional uh, championship games played on Saturday night. If you want to find local winners that are going to move on to regionals, and by the way, those are one-game regionals coming up on Saturday. you got to go a little west to Harrison County, the Lanesville Eagles in 1A, the uh, big 1A winner. I'll talk more about that game coming up here in a bit. And uh, also Corden in 3A. They've had a really nice season as well. So we'll see if uh, any of those Harrison County locals can make a run further beyond just a one-game regional coming up on Saturday. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us. Uh, as Indiana plays better, I-, I think we're picking up some new listeners. And glad that you're with us here on this Monday edition of the program. Let's take a look at the uh, show lineup. It's a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments. We'll have our headlines, our news and notes of the day. Of course, a lot more from that IU-Purdue tilt and battle on Saturday afternoon. A couple notes from girls' sectionals and boys' basketball from across the area over the weekend. And then later in the show today, we've got uh, always with us Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. He will join us coming up in segment number two. And then also uh, joining us today to kind of recap so many IU basketball happenings coming out of the weekend is uh, Kyle, uh, excuse me is uh, Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com. And Jeff will stop by for kind of a, a special chat today as we recap that Purdue win and just size up Indiana uh, here in the early part of February coming up. So stay with us for that a little bit later in the hour. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Right now at Thornton's, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito, and any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register today for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. And again, I know there's some excitement out there about this Indiana team. Uh, 502-414-1450. Tell me your prediction. Where can this team finish in the Big Ten? What could their final record be? Is this a Sweet 16 team? Could this be a team that's hot and makes it beyond the Sweet 16 round? I know it's just so strange to host this program and talk IU basketball nearly every day, 365 days a year minus holidays and weekends. And every year in February, our show is dominated by the, the, the discussion about where Indiana stands in bracketology. Uh, is this team going to get in the tournament? Are they not going to get in the tournament? Are they going to hang on? Do, how many games do they need to win the rest of the way to get in? How many games in the Big Ten tournament do they need to win to have a chance to get in? That isn't going to be, I don't think, a conversation that we have this month. The conversation is going to be with wins and losses that happen this month. How high can Indiana's seed be? And what type of NCAA tournament team is this? What round could they get to? Obviously, depending on the draw and other things as well. But uh, it's going to be different, I think, this month of February for Indiana fans, unless the bottom falls out. And I just don't see that happening by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think Indiana's going to run the table or do something crazy here as far as just go on a tear. They're already on a tear, to be quite honest. Uh, but 
I do think that this team is a surefire lock. Uh, that's obvious at this point. And um, I think now they're playing for a higher seat. And uh, I think they've moved up here in the last few weeks, not only locking their way into the tournament, but moving up the, the seed lines as well for the big dance coming up in March. All right, let's uh, get into some headlines for today. First, we got to go back to the IU-Purdue game. Um, I know there's been so much written, so much read, so much said about the contest. Trace Jackson Davis, unbelievable effort, unbelievable performance once again. Just kind of looking at the box score for Indiana, Jalen hood Shafino, 16 points, 8 of 15 shooting. Uh, he bounced back from a lackluster game the week before, earlier in the week, I should say. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, another uh, TJD line, we'll call it. 25 points, 9 of 19 from the field, 7 of 9 from the free throw line. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis also with 7 rebounds, so he was 3 shy of a double-double there. And uh, just a solid game across the way. 5 blocks as well. And it was clear from the get-go, he and uh, Big Edie, Zach Edie, the, the two best players on the court, and I think the two best players in the conference, and I'm not so sure they're not the two best players in college basketball this season with what they've done on an individual basis and also to help their team. But I think when you start this conversation about a Purdue win, uh, it obviously has to start with Trace Jackson Davis. And just last week, Rick Bozich of WDRB was with us, and we were talking about Trace Jackson Davis and his stat accomplishments and where he's at all time as a scorer and a rebounder and with blocks for the Hoosiers. And those are impressive, impressive numbers. And if he goes out at the conclusion of this season, uh, he's going to have some big, big marks that he's set. If he comes back another year, he has an unbelievable opportunity to take it to a whole other level. And I think that's a conversation to be had here later in the year once the season comes to a close. But Rick mentioned this, and I, I told him on the I said, Rick, that makes more sense than what anybody else has said on this program. If Trace is really going to be one of the great all-time players in Indiana, and he's approaching that category right now, he's got to do some team stuff. He's done enough individual stuff. He's going to win some awards. He's going to finish way higher at the top of a couple different categories for Indiana. He's good on all that stuff, but he's got to do some team stuff, like NCAA tournament stuff and a run in the tournament, or a Big Ten championship, Rick said, which makes a lot of sense because Indiana's never won one. And so that would be a signature of TJD and this team if Indiana could win the Big Ten title. But that Purdue win, that's the start of team stuff. And not the start, but the continuation of team stuff that TJD needs to lead and be part of in Indiana to finish as an all-time Hoosier. And again, he's he's in that category now. He's approaching that category however you want to word it, however you want to say it. But if he's really going to move up that list and finish this deal this year or who knows, even next year, as one of the great Hoosiers of all time, some team stuff is is needed, and it's coming, or it's happened, I should say, with this Purdue game. And now we'll see what happens in the Big Ten tournament, and we'll see what happens, obviously, in the NCAA tournament as well. Jalen Huchifino, and I can't wait to have Jeff Rabjohns with us later. I'm just curious where he sees him as an NBA prospect. I think he's really, really good, and I think he's just scratching the surface on how good he can be, even as a freshman. If he comes back another year for Indiana, watch out. He's going to be at the top of the conference. I don't have any question about that. But is there a legitimate chance for him to come back next year with his play here in the second half of the season? We'll talk with Jeff about that coming up a little bit later in the program today. A few other mentions from the contest. Um, 
uh, first off, away from. Let me go back to Trace for just a moment. Away from the game, Matt Painter and I did not hear this. I just read the transcript they send out after the press conferences are done. Matt Painter had unbelievable things to say about Trace Jackson Davis off the court and on the court. But apparently when Big Caleb Swanigan passed away, who was an unbelievable high school player up at Homestead in Fort Wayne and obviously at Purdue and then went on to the NBA, had a lot of struggles over the course of his life, really. When he passed away back in the summer, Trace Jackson Davis sent a very nice, caring text message to Coach Painter. Uh, he had, Of course, Coach Painter recruited uh, Trace Jackson Davis when he was at Center Grove for a couple of years and got to know him and his family very well. But Coach Painter had high praise for uh, Trace Jackson Davis, and that was neat to hear the rival coach, the opposing coach, uh, stand up for uh, and, and talk about a player in the, in the light that he did in Trace Jackson Davis also. Uh, Braden Smith, Mr. Basketball in Indiana, that Indiana really did not recruit very much. Uh, he had a bad game, and he, in the press conference, was trying to take the blame with his teammates, some of his teammates sitting there. And you talk about leadership from Trace Jackson Davis on the Indiana side. How about this leadership from Zach Eady on the Purdue side? He grabs the mic, he cuts his teammate off, and says that absolutely he wasn't responsible for it. Uh, Eady had his part in the loss, and the rest of the team did as well. So uh, that was neat to see. Obviously, great to see Indiana get the win, but to see Trace. Uh, be a leader, to see Zach Eady be a leader. It makes you feel good about basketball in our state. And to be quite honest, it makes you feel pretty good about the coaches in our state with Coach Woodson and the staff uh, that he's leading, the program he's leading in Bloomington, and obviously Matt Painter in West Lafayette as well. A couple other things on that Purdue game here in this opening segment. I think, and I could be wrong, but I think when the AP poll comes out at noon or so today, I think Purdue will still be number one because Houston losing to what, Temple at home? I don't think they're a legitimate candidate for number one. Tennessee has had a couple questionable losses as well. I think, and I saw Rick Bozich tweet this, I think he and a lot of the AP poll voters will will still put Purdue at number one. And that just underscores and helps out, in my opinion, the strength of the Indiana win uh, over the Boilermakers on Saturday. And I think you'll see IU jump up some. They were number 21 and then lost and still in the poll at number 21 before things update today. I think that they will jump up considerably, or some, uh, with the win over Purdue. I think they've earned a lot of respect here the last few weeks, and even despite the loss before Purdue, will hang in there as well. Uh, yesterday, IU and Purdue, the women played, and I saw some pictures. I want to say it was a sold-out Mackey Arena yesterday, which is awesome. The girls' crowds, the women's crowds have been amazing at Indiana this year. 10,000, almost 11,000 people at some of the big home games. The Ohio State game was was an unbelievable uh, crowd and, and audience there and how they were in the game. Uh, but Indiana women cruised yesterday, 69-46. Indiana, the women, have now won 10 consecutive games. And when you talk about March and you talk about Big Ten tournaments and NCAA tournaments and seeds, boy, Indiana, the women, are going to be higher than the men. I mean, they are really, really playing well and have a legitimate chance, I think, to be a one seed and to be discussed as a national championship and a Final Four contender when we really start honing in on the NCAA Women's Tournament. So I'm telling you, we are gearing up, and, and, and things can change at any time, but we are gearing up for 
a really exciting time. The girls' high school state tournament is underway. Uh, the uh, co- conferences are winding down in college basketball. The boys' high school tournament will start up March Madness. And finally, Indiana, uh, the men and the women, are both going to be, I think, real players in uh, potentially in the NCAA tournament this year. So that is a lot of fun for sure. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. As we get ready to go to break, I do want to mention this. Not a lot of local girls sectional winners. 4A goes to Bedford. 3A, you got to go just a little west to Corden. Obviously, 2A uh, and, and 1A uh, goes to Lanesville just a little west. But uh, I understand that that Lanesville-Borden girls crowd on Saturday was fantastic. Almost a sellout at Borden. A great environment. Borden really young and probably not ready for the challenge of the Lanesville girls and Coach Angie Hinton this season, but what a great crowd. Wonderful to see big crowds in the postseason come out and support our local teams, and you know it's going to be the same way when the boys tournament gets here in just a few weeks. That's our segment number one. Stay with us. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is next. More on IU-Purdue, and don't forget IU and Rutgers coming up on Tuesday night. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. And for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Monday program. The Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star always is with us Mondays. And, Zach, you've seen a lot of games at Assembly Hall, but Saturday, uh, unbelievable crowd, a great environment, two wonderful players, not just best in the Big Ten, but maybe best in the country in Jackson and also Edie. Uh, take us through where that game maybe stands on your all-time list of covering games at Assembly Hall. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely up there. Um, it felt very Michigan 2013, and, and I think that, you know, Kentucky is, is kind of its own thing because I think Kentucky was the collision of a lot of sort of uh, forces and emotions that, you know, Indiana, you know, really may never feel again in terms of it's, it's number one, it's your rival, but it's also the end of that three year sort of recovery process. And that was, you know, if if we sort of cast our minds back to that game, specifically that team had a couple of nice wins in the bag, but hadn't really proven itself. I think this was much more like Michigan and I don't expect Indiana to win the big 10 this year. Purdue still has a commanding lead in the standings. But this was much more like Michigan insofar as this was kind of more about the confirming evidence of saying, you know, Indiana is as good as anybody in a very good conference. And we'd already seen this team beat Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan State, Illinois, you know, North Carolina, Xavier. Um, Purdue felt like kind of the the hurdle that if you clear this, um, not that you're going to win out, 
and I don't think I don't think anybody expects Indiana to just not lose from here by any means. But that if you can win this game in this environment against this team, uh, you shouldn't fear anybody, really. And you should feel like you were starting to assume some version of the best form of yourself as, uh, as a team. Um, and I think that the crowd felt that. Um, I think the players felt that. And I think you could see, you know, both in terms of the, the energy and maybe some of the validation you could feel off of the players' postgame, but also the extent to which, you know, the, the players, I mean, there was, you know, the, 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 the Mike Woodson said in the postgame, you know, I told them, and it was in the, the video Indiana released on social media as well, enjoy this for an hour, then we get ready for Rutgers. You know, like when the court storming happened, and we can have a totally separate conversation about court storming, but when it happened, the players just got off the floor. You know, last year they were celebrating with the fans. They were soaking it in. This year it felt like, okay, we did that. We proved that. But now we, we're moving on. You know, the, the, the court storming, the celebration, that's great. That's fine. It's just not for us. We have something of bigger things to tackle. And, it, and we do in part because if we can win this game, imagine what else we can do. Yeah, no question. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. I was going to get to the court storming a little bit later in the segment, but let's talk about it now. Uh, thoughts on Indiana uh, fans' uh, reaction, uh, storming the court after beating the number one Boilermakers? I know that I heard both ends of the story from different uh, talking heads out there, whether it be television or radio. Uh, your reaction, what was kind of the, the national reaction to that? Is it fair for fans to uh, to do that and take advantage of that fun situation, or was it maybe some overreaction for a program like Indiana that, although it's been some years before, they've been there and done that and won a lot of big games over time? I think, you know, I think there's, there's two parts to this. There's kind of the Indiana part to this, which is, yes, there was probably a time in Indiana's history where you should expect to win this game, where it shouldn't be you know, that novel to beat number one. I think it's worth saying, you know, most teams play the number one team in the country less often than you think. I think Indiana had only played the number one team in the country something like four times in the last 11 years at home, if you include the Purdue game, if I'm not mistaken. So, it, it you know, that opportunity doesn't happen very often. And it also certainly doesn't happen in this sort of setting in terms of it's, it's number one Purdue, it's your rival, you know, when's the next time? I mean, Purdue, Purdue literally never come to Assembly Hall number one in the country. When's that going to happen again? You're ranked. They're ranked. You can have a conversation about whether it should have been the game day game instead of UNC Duke. Um, you know, I, I, I thought it was, you know, there was some commentary from, I think, the, the ESPN studio crew saying that um, Indiana should sort of be above storming the court. And it's sort of like, well, you know, you, you, you chose to put UNC Duke on the slate in a more primetime slot than Indiana Purdue. So which is it? Is it, is it that Indiana is a blue blood that shouldn't be storming the floor? Or is it that, you know, if that's the case, then why are they not in the, why is this ranked matchup not ahead of the unranked matchup in the ACC? And that, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that, not least where the TV contracts are going in the coming years. But, um, you know, I think part of it is just like, hey, listen, you don't get this opportunity very often. And, and this group of students in particular certainly does not have, you know, the, the, the memories associated with a moment like that. Um, there's also an extent to which it's just like they're college kids, you know. I mean, just let them have fun. You get to be in college for four years, and then you spend the rest of your life thinking about how fun you, how much fun you had in college. Telling college, with, with the, the obvious sort of caveats of being responsible, not doing anything reckless, and, and, and the caveats to court storm of, 
don't, you know, um, don't, don't mess with the opposing players. Don't hurt anybody. Don't do anything, you know, dangerous, whatever. Um, you know, as long as everyone can sort of agree to abide by those rules, like why are you telling college kids how to have fun? Good point. Just, just, just let them have their moment and, and move on. Because at the end of the day, especially, again, when you see the reaction of Indiana's players, they got off the floor. I mean, they, they went through the handshake line as best they could with Purdue, and then it was just like, okay, this is great, but it's not for us. We're on to Rutgers. You know, the, the, I, think, I think you could see from Indiana's players' perspective their eyes sort of opening to, you know, look what we can do next. They're, they're moving on. And as long as that's kind of the mentality in the program, then, then really what, what does it matter what the students are doing on the floor? As long as everybody's being safe, as long as nobody's doing anything dumb with the opposing team, that kind of stuff, what does it matter? Yep, good stuff. Uh, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach, is it possible that with Edie and TJD, we were watching not just the two best players in the Big Ten Conference, but maybe in college basketball right now? I think it's very possible. And, and I mean, you know, there's a – I mean, if we can, you know, throw some other names in there, we could, we could be here all, you know, frickin' day um, in terms of talking about – you know, who fits where Jalen Wilson um, probably has a, an argument there. Drew Timmy, Brandon Miller, obviously um, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong again, because I haven't looked up how to pronounce it in a while, but Azalez uh, Tubelis at Arizona. Um, they are certainly two of the best though. And, and I think you saw on Saturday why it's, it's not just the production. It's, it's the way they do it. You know, you could, you know, Zach Eady is, so much more impressive even in person than he is on TV. You just, you see how, um, how physically dominant he is. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny because like people always just say, Oh, he's just big. Well, you know, when Xavier Johnson is beating players down the floor and transition to get layoffs, nobody says, Oh, he's just fast. So why do you hold it against Edie that he's big? And then there's also the element of like, yeah, but he's seven foot four and he's pushing 300 pounds of pure muscle and look at the body control he has. Most guys that are that big don't have that kind of body control, that kind of athleticism. And when I say athleticism, I'm not, I'm not talking about how high he can jump, but I'm talking about footwork, short space quickness, center of gravity, those kinds of things. Um, he's a remarkable player. And then Trace Jackson Davis, I know statistically didn't have quite the same game, but you know the way he plays above the rim, the, 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 the way he plays in transition, the lob opportunities, you know, the number of times I, I like the way Matt, Pay, uh, Matt Painter described it. He said there were times where our guys were just bouncing off of it. And this is a player that when you think about the journey Trace Jackson Davis has been on the last four years, think about the number of times he's faced a, a, a defender like Zach Eady. You know, Kofi Coburn, Miles Johnson at Rutgers, John Harrar at, at Penn State could give him trouble at times. Guys that were just thick and strong weren't players that he could just sort of move with his body automatically. Um, he really struggled against those players. But I think really in the last you know year plus, you think back to the way he played Kofi Coburn in the, the Big Ten tournament last year, and then you think about some of the games he's turned in this year, the game he had at Illinois, um, the game he had uh, against Zed Key at Ohio State. I know Key's a little bit banged up, but the game he had against Stephen Crowell for Wisconsin and then, you know, 25 and seven on, uh, on Saturday night, 
you know, he has grown so much in terms of just how many different ways he can affect a game and, and attack an opponent. I think those are, I mean, they are, for my money, the only two players that should factor into the Big Ten Player of the Year race. They're both first-team All-Americans, and um, I, I'm with you in the sense that I think they both factor somewhere into the National Player of the Year race. You sure. know, if Purdue continues on how they've been playing, Edie as well, and IU does the same with TJD leading the way, could it come down to a rematch in the regular season later up, later on this month, or maybe even a third meetup in the Big Ten tournament to decide the Big Ten Player of the Year? Is that how close maybe this race is, especially after Saturday's win by IU and TJD? Well, for the record, it'll have to be regular season because those awards are announced before the Big Ten tournament, um, unless I've unless I've completely. Uh, forgotten the, the sequence of things. I'm almost certain we vote on those the week of the tournament. Um, but I think it's possible. Uh, I do think, you know, just if, if I'm sitting here handicapping it, and this is with all respect to Trace Jackson Davis, who's having maybe the most dominant season, you know, I've ever seen from an Indiana player, it's, it's probably going to be hard to pass Edie um, because a lot of the arguments for Jackson Davis and sort of saying Indiana's not where it is without Jackson Davis, Indiana – is in a totally different spot without Jackson Davis, et cetera. Those are also the arguments for Edie and Purdue as well. And while Jackson Davis has been outstanding, um, he's been you know incredibly dominant. Edie has probably been just a little bit better. And even if he hasn't, even if you know, even if at some point this season we basically see those two even up from a statistical and a performance and an impact perspective, the other reality of it is is Edie is is likely going to be the centerpiece player on the Big Ten champion, you know, the, the only team within um, three games of Purdue right now uh, in the Big Ten is Rutgers. Rutgers is eight and four, Purdue's 11 and two, so Rutgers is two and a half games behind Purdue. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Purdue doesn't play Rutgers again, so Rutgers can't, you know, it's not like Rutgers can get Purdue back to the rack and, you know, and, 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 and um, I think they only played once this year, unless I'm forgetting um, a second meeting. But the point is, Rutgers can't get Purdue back to, to you know, to Piscataway to maybe put another loss into him and, and tighten it up. Um, Purdue is probably going to win this conference and probably going to win it fairly comfortably. Ken Palm's projections right now have it winning, have them winning the conference by three games. Um, that's a that's a pretty dominant showing, and it's going to be hard for a player that's been as good as Edie has. Um, it's going to be hard for, I think, Jackson Davis to pass him. You know, I think about Drew Valentine beating Yogi Ferrell to Big Ten Player of the Year in 2016, and Ferrell was so good that year for the Big Ten champion. Um, Valentine was just, he had such gaudy numbers in terms of points, rebounds, assists, shooting, you know, passing, everything, that he, he, he sort of was able to rise above Ferrell. Um, it just feels like Edie is, is going to be, you know, at least level with Jackson Davis, and then there's going to be the team aspect of it where I think Purdue is going to wind up winning the league, and that maybe puts him over the edge. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star, with us. Now, looking ahead to Rutgers, I know that's another really tough game for this IU club, but if they could win, where does that stack out the standings? I think I had seen if Indiana could win Tuesday night's game that they could be in second place. I know they would still be behind Purdue by a reasonable margin, but uh, is that the case? Could Indiana get up to second with a win on Tuesday? They would tie Rutgers 
for second with a win um, on Tuesday. And I think, I don't know where the tiebreakers would be um, because normally, and it really wouldn't matter a ton. Obviously there's still seven games left to play, but they'd be one and one on the season. So head up record wouldn't matter. And then they've both beaten Purdue. So the whole, you know, sort of record against the teams ahead of you is I think the next tiebreaker. Um, but again, there, there's set, there would be seven games left in the conference season. You wouldn't be worried at that point about beating in the Big Ten tournament or anything. You'd just be happy to be in second. And I think that, you know, in particular for Indiana, you know, I mean, Rutgers has been pretty good all year. Um, they lost to Ohio State on the road in a game, frankly, they probably deserved to win. There was that weird blown call um, in Ohio State. Man, what a, I mean, what a mess they're in. Three and nine in the conference, and they probably should be two and ten. Um, but, you know, since the turn of the year, um, Rutgers has been very good. They're seven and three. Their only losses are at home to Iowa and then on the road to Michigan State and Iowa. Um, you know, I mean, this is this is probably the best Rutgers team we've ever seen. They're number two in the country in defensive efficiency. They're number one in the league in defensive efficiency in, in conference play. Um, this is going to be a very tough game for Indiana. Frankly, you saw how how well Rutgers matched up with Indiana in New Jersey in December. I don't think that's changed. I think this is going to be a game Indiana has to be prepared to grind out. I don't see Indiana winning this game by double digits the way they have some of their other recent home games. Um, and if you can win it, I, I think there's actually some a little bit more valuable or a little bit more value to that. And I think if you talk about the Purdue game, I think that, you know, what I wrote on Saturday night was that the, the, the test Indiana passed or the most impressive thing about Indiana's win against Purdue to me was not the way Indiana played in the first half against Purdue. Though I think certainly if you're if you're Mike Woodson, you play that tape back to your team and you say, this is what you can be. That's the best team in the country. And you sped them up, took them out of their stuff, had them making uncharacteristic mistakes. You were dominating them for 20 minutes. The more impressive thing to me was Purdue got their punches back in. They deserved to come back. It wasn't necessarily because Indiana was playing poorly as much as it was that, that Purdue was just playing very well after halftime last nine and a half minutes of that game it's very much being played at Purdue's pace Purdue's style Purdue's preferred sort of tempo and it's a two possession game the entire way home from nine and a half minutes on to the final horn Purdue never tied Purdue never led and if you're if you're Indiana you know that second half against Purdue is almost when you look at for a game like Rutgers and say we can grind it out too we don't have to be free-flowing and expressive and really impressive to win some of these games. We can grind them out as well when we need to. We're growing into that, and I think that that's something Indiana's got to take into into Tuesday night. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach, thanks for the run today. We'll talk with you next Monday. Thanks for having me, as always. Absolutely. We'll head to a commercial break. More IU, believe it or not, coming up in the next segment. Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks.com is with us. I've got some questions about Jalen hood Shafino for Jeff when he joins the show. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison.
And we're back on this Monday program. More IU basketball coming up in this segment. Jeff Rabjohns, the publisher of Peaks.com, is with us. And we've talked, Jeff, a lot today, obviously, about Indiana's huge victory and how this team is playing here in early February already today. And I wanted to hit you with some specific questions. A lot of them are player-based. And I want to start with Jalen hood Shafino, who's actually a guy we haven't talked a lot about today. Jeff, you've seen him from start to finish at Indiana, where he's at right now in this freshman year. You also, uh, for anybody that joins this show, probably saw him way more than anyone I know in high school and followed his recruitment and his development as a player. So as Indiana fans get really attached to him and uh, see the potential that you've probably seen for years, what's the chances he's even back in Bloomington next season after what he's been able to put together this season? Uh, I think I think it's it's pretty slim. I think most likely he's playing in, uh, in the NBA next year. It's not a definite, certainly, but even entering the year, um, a number of NBA teams called me about him just because of what you said. It just well, those guys had seen him a bunch, and even going into the year, they loved his size for the point guard. They loved his mentality. They loved uh, his ability to function in congestion. They loved his ability to stay calm under duress and just m- try to make the right play. And really the only question they had is, you know, is, is his shot going to get there in a year or is it going to take two? And, you know, he's sitting there short, shooting uh, 41.2% from three. So I, I think right now the most likely scenario is, is that, that he's, he's in the NBA next year. Jalen Hood-Shafino, how we're starting our conversation with Jeff Rabjohns today. Jeff, as a guy that knows what it takes to get to the NBA and, and understands scouting and player breakdown of, the, of, of, a, of a potential NBA player, really of a potential college player as well, what, what in addition to what we see, what fans see uh, that Hood-Shafino does as far as output, what are things that, in addition to that, NBA scouts really like and are buzzing about? Yeah, that's a really good question, man. I think um, what they call his professional mentality, that is um, everything that he does is about um, being ready on game day. Uh, that is little things like getting your rest, going to sleep early. Yeah, college kids can stay up late and get up early and still function, but to maximize the body's functionality, it needs a certain amount of rest. Um, so even little things like you know he gets his rest every day. Um, just the way he trains as far as uh, what he eats. It's about maximizing the body's functionality and trying to make it uh, <clears throat> perform at an optimum level on game day. Um, the way he does his basketball training, it's not just I'm going to go in and, and get up a certain number of shots or I'm going to go in and I'm going to make 200 threes. It's a lot of very specific stuff as far as footwork, um, certain plays, certain screens, certain actions. You know, really stuff that he needs to add to his game or that he wants to uh, continue to really improve upon, to make dominant. You know, it's that old thing, what can you do? What can you do well? What can you do well in crunch time? And, you know, you've been around the game. You've coached. You know those are three very different layers. And I think his just the way he really works on his game day to day, I think that that's another thing that, that, that pro scouts have heard about. Um, and, and do really like. Jeff Rabjohns, Peaks.com, my guest talking some specifics here on some of IU players. One question, Jeff, that I continue to get hit with, and 
I, I know that you're probably not even prepared to give any kind of real answer to this, but I, I have people say, hey, when you talk to Jeff, ask him this. So I'll ask you this here in early February. Is there any chance Trace Jackson Davis returns to Bloomington for another year? Could NIL money and maybe some uncertainty about where he could go in the NBA draft, although his stock does seem to be improving some, I want to ask you about that as well. But could Trace come back? Is it, is it feasible? Is it possible? I'll answer it this way. I'm going to say it's theoretically possible because of a couple of things. Obviously, you know, COVID, he has the year. Um, so that, that's, you know, he's played four, but he's played one more. Um, the, the thing that makes it theoretically possible is NIL. And if NIL groups really, really, really wanted to put together a big package, um, we could be talking about a million dollars plus. I don't want to say easily because that would be me spending other people's money. Try not to do that. But we've all read about what's going on in, in NIL with some collective, especially, you know, Southern football schools. So Indiana has three main collectives, the Hoosiers, Derricks, uh, Hoosiers for Good, and Hoosiers Connect. And if those three work together, I, I, I'm very confident that they could come up with a seven-figure NIL deal for Trace Jackson Davis. So then he's looking at, okay, if he gets drafted in the second round, which is most likely right now, again, we're talking January. Um, and, and just for general reference, I think most people know this, but like media people, you know, um, and I can say that, I'm in the media, do mock drafts throughout the season. Here's a mock draft, here's a mock draft. That's great. It gives the fans some idea of what's going on, what some very qualified people think. NBA teams don't do that. They don't sit there and put together a mock draft in February and then a mock draft in December and a mock draft in January. They're, the NBA teams are scouting right now. They're evaluating, putting together scouting, calling people like me who have seen kids going back to high school to do background, what they call the back of the book. So they're scouting right now. And then basically when seasons, when college basketball starts ending, you'll start to get the NBA teams will actually start to put together an order but it's a loose order because they get to bring players in for individual workouts um, or workouts with individual teams. Excuse me. It's usually three-on-three situations, six guys. So the NBA teams are, don't think in terms of mock drafts right now. They'll put together their board later. So right now, from everything I hear, is somewhere in the middle of the second round for Trace Jackson Davis is most likely right now. Now, he still has the rest of the month to go. He still has March. He still has the NCAA tournament. And we've seen guys who have great NCAA tournaments who all of a sudden one team goes, one NBA team goes crazy and overdrafts them and they move up in the first round. So that's possible. But to answer your question, um, you would basically be looking at, okay, what would the NIL deal be? Let's say, let's just make up a number, okay? And I am completely making up a number. I don't want anybody to think this is me hinting at anything, okay? Well, let's say one point, let's say 1.5, okay? Just make it a round number. So then Trace would look at, okay, where am I likely going to get drafted and what's, what's the guaranteed amount there? And then make a business decision. Um, so that, that's why I would say, yes, in theory, is it possible? In theory, it's possible. I would not say it's likely right now, but I would say in theory, it is possible. Just hearing you break all that down in the way that you're, and maybe only you are able to, uh, it's unbelievable, Jeff, how the game of college basketball has changed. And uh, there's been a number of changes here in the last few years, but probably none bigger than NIL. Just amazing the impact that that is having and likely will have for years to come on Indiana, other Big Ten schools, and the game as a whole.
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, I think in general it's a positive uh, for, for, for a number of reasons, one of which is um, schools have gone from making thousands of dollars to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions to tens of millions to hundreds of millions to an NCAA contract now where the, the word is B, billions. All along we were told, hey, player, no, no, no. If somebody buys you a hamburger, it's a violation. Well, how stupid is that? I mean, we've reached a point to where it's just unbelievably stupid. And I said for years, and, and I still believe it, if they would have put in a mechanism when they started getting TV money, if they would have put in some mechanism where the players get some percentage, like point, like 0.01%, just something, then over the last 30, 40 years, players would have been stair-stepped up in what they made, and you wouldn't have this big tidal wave of money called NIL washing all through sports because the players would have gotten $100 a month, then 200 then 500 then maybe 1000 But along the way, they would have gotten a piece of the pie that really, let's be honest, when people go buy a ticket and sit in the seat, they ain't there to watch the assistant athletic director. They're there to watch the players. The players are the ones bringing butts in seats. The players are the ones bringing eyeballs to the TV. So the idea that the players should be allowed none of it, I always thought there was actually a moral question in there. You know, hey, you guys, come to practice, work hard, do all this. But by the way, if you take a hamburger from Joe the uh, <laughs> Booster over there in seat 1A, it's a violation. <laughs> See, what in the world? I mean, we're, we, we, we got lost on the logic train somewhere along the way. <laughs> Great stuff. But, Anyway, <laughs> great stuff. Jeff Ravjohns, Peaks.com. All right, uh, I want to talk a little IU Rutgers with you. I know there's still a lot of hype and excitement about the Purdue win. So as we close out today, just give me a preview, your thoughts on some matchups. And obviously, Rutgers has had uh, Indiana's number. So I do expect this to be a very much of a battle of war on Tuesday night. I think it's going to be a street fight. And I think that's what Rutgers wants. I think the number one thing you have to do when you play against Rutgers, is you have to understand that they want it to be a street fight. Okay, They're not trying to make it a pretty basketball game. They're trying to win a basketball game by making it as ugly and rough and tumble as they possibly can. And that fits their talent. That fits you know, their, physical, their, their physicality. So it makes sense how they play. I think you have to match their toughness. But the other thing is, and, and a lot of coaches who have beaten Rutgers and lost to them will tell you this. When you beat Rutgers, you match their toughness, but you don't get caught up in when you got the ball, oh, I'm going to jam my shoulder into him. I'm going to get him back. You run your offense. You don't get lost in the fact that it's a basketball game. So I think that's really important. Match the toughness, but don't get lost in the fact that you still need to play better basketball to win. Um, I think you have to really make sure that you're paying attention to their shooters, you know, guys like Cam Spencer, Paul McKayhee, those guys are important. Um, I think you have to do everything you can to, to keep Big Clifford off the, uh, off the offensive glass. Um, I think that's important. Um, and, and I think for Indiana's sake, when you, when you look at uh, their game last time and then go, okay, well, what are things that really went wrong? You know, Rutgers basically completely packed it in and said, Trace Jackson Davis, you are not going to beat us. And there were times when they actually bracketed Trace, guy front and back, and the guy east and west was no more than one step. It looked like a box in one where the box was around Trace, you know, not, not the other four guys. 
Um, and, and Indiana made a few threes early, but Rutgers didn't come out to defend the three. You know, there, there was one where Race got the ball outside and they just looked at him. So I think you got to be able to really play your offense much better and match the toughness. All right, great stuff. Jeff Rabjohns, wonderful to catch up. Keep up the great work at pigs.com, and we'll talk with you soon. My pleasure, my friend. Take care of yourself. That's going to wrap things up here on this Monday edition of the program. Back with you Tuesday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.